Hi, you're listening to Screen of the Crime. I'm Tess. And I'm Maggie, and this is a podcast where we talk about true crime and what would happen if your favorite TV and movie characters committed those crimes. Welcome back to our show. It's us again. It truly is. Um, yeah, I don't know. What's new with we you? We went to Toronto. We did go to Toronto. I think we mentioned that last time that we were yeah. going to be there. And then we went there. And now yeah. we're back. <laughs> yeah. Um. Yeah. We went to the Illusion Museum in Toronto. It's a lot smaller than you'd uh, expect it to be. I would, I mean, a museum's a strong word. Yeah, it's more like a room. It's like a little pop-up kind of like, it feels like a weird like pop-up art kind of thing almost. Yeah, like a very tiny gallery. Yeah. Made specifically just so you could hike Instagram photos. Yeah, honestly. Because yeah, a lot of the stuff like was set up where it's like a visual, like you have to take a picture to get it. Yeah. So, yeah. Like a room that's upside down or like the big small room where it's like someone in one corner looks really small. Yeah. Um... What else? They had this weird tunnel thing. They had this really cool lighting room. Yeah, with like all mirrors. No. Or the rainbow one. The rainbow one. They had two cool lighting rooms. Oh yeah, you had the mirror one. There was one then you like close the door and it's like mirrors surrounding you, but the the ceiling's like stars. Yeah. And then they had one that was just like rainbow lights. <laughs> yeah, that, I don't, that wasn't really an illusion, I don't think. No, but I got some great pictures of myself there. Yeah, it's her new Instagram photo. Yeah, it is. Profile photo. Uh huh. Um, yeah, Canada's cool. I enjoy it. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> we um, me and Bridget, not Tess, um, walked around the the mall. Is it Eaton Center? Mm-hmm. For like two hours it was like a long and we thought we had finished the whole mall this is like a really like a six-story high mall we Mm -hmm. thought we finished it but we didn't want to go to nordstrom's because we're not like nordstrom's fans and then we were like well we'll just walk through nordstrom's and we did and then we realized nordstrom's was just in the center of the mall and you exit the other side of nordstrom's and there's more mall oh my god we were fooled damn yeah so that was that was that (laughs) Um, uh, I went to a, a ramen place called, I think, Momofuku's or something. Mm. It was really good. It's uh, made by, like, a, it's a famous Japanese-American chef man, I think. Mm. Um, and that was fun. Um, and, yeah, I think that's it. Oh, we went to the club, the club. Yeah. Um, Friday night. <laughs> that was so... Yeah, it's just a really funny experience with, like, the group of us that were there, which is, we're all very different. <laughs> First of all, I just wanted to dance. I don't know what your cousin wanted, <laughs> but he got... Something. Something. And then, I don't know what Bridget or you wanted, but I just wanted to dance. And the men there... 
men don't. Fucking, you make eye contact with them and they were on you. They yeah. thought you wanted to fuck. And mm-hmm. I was like, no, sir, I want to dance with my buds. But when there's only two of you, me and Tess, um, left, it's really hard to block out men. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because the last time I went clubbing in Toronto, we had, like, a group of, like, ten girls. Oh. And we were all, like, surrounding each other. That's, like, a whole... Yeah, that's a very contained... It was nice, and I liked it, because we were all dancing with each other, and if we saw a man get too close, we just, like, block each other off, because none of us wanted to hook up with anyone. Because when you're clubbing with the girls... You don't hook up with people. And that's my strong opinion of girl clubbing. Interesting. But I just want to say a story. Because <laughs> there was a point in time when, like, what, was it, like, four men surrounded us. I think mm-hmm. Bridget was there, too. And I don't know what they were saying. But I, like, put my arm over your shoulder. And there were two men, like, kind of behind us. Yeah. And one of the men grabbed my wrist and took it off of your shoulder. <laughs> And he said no homo. That was the moment in time I was like, I'm going to get murdered at the club. Yeah. These men don't respect my boundaries. Yeah. Because clearly I'm trying to block him out. Yeah. Well, I say another, I don't care. Like, again, I usually, I feel like of, of the group members, whenever I am at a club or at a party, I'm usually not the one to get approached. Yes. So I usually don't have that much of a problem. But that Friday. Do you- I, those one men point. were thirsty. What? Those men were thirsty. Yeah, there was, like, one point in the night where this guy came up, and it was, like, the three of us were standing there, and then me and Bridget, he was, like, talking to me and Bridget, and you were, like, kind of a... I know. was there. I saw it. You were there. I was trying to ignore. Yeah, and then, like, he's, like, trying to ask me to dance, like, touching my arm. I'm just like, no. Like, I just, like, start talking, and then Bridget, like, swoops in, and she's just, like, we're together. <laughs> she's like, us, we're gay, and then she kisses me in front of this man. I'm like, listen... And then they don't even look at me. They go, what about her? And I was like... <laughs> I was like, wow, thank and we're you, like, sir. She was gay, too. I was like, I don't want to. <laughs> yeah. So, which, again, I feel like that's a move. I'm not going to complain about the move of, you know, having to pull the gay card. But if you say we're together and then kiss one of your friends, I feel like you might get hate crime, depending on where you are. Or just end up in a very creepy situation. So use that sparingly. I I think, I don't know, it was, that was like, I just was scared. Just in general, those men were very, um, like, they wouldn't, they would like be on ya, you know? I don't know. For some reason, none of the men there were really that intimidating to me. I just think they were annoying, but I was, like, I don't think I was, ever felt like I need to watch out. I did. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so depending on how you feel about men at the club, uh, cake. <laughs> yeah. It's got $3 drinks, but they are not very strong. Unless no. Unless you are Tess's cousin. Yeah. In which case, I guess you'll get blackout. <laughs> yeah. And end up 60 miles out of Toronto. <laughs> have to pay for that Uber back. Oh, God. That must have been an expensive Uber. Yeah, should have been at the meeting. He was made fun of. So much. Honestly, a king, though. <laughs> I guess. Um, anyway, I have, like, a lot of notes, so I guess we should. Yeah, we should probably hop on that. I would like to first start with an apology <laughs> for my Norwegian. I don't know how to sp- speak 
Norwegian, nor do I know how to read anything. Like, sometimes I can get by on German or Spanish words. But Norwegian. But Norwegian, I don't know what they're supposed to sound like. Yeah. And this has a lot of Norwegian in it. I can hear the Gilmore Girl soundtrack. Oh. And it just it reminds me of those TikToks, you know, when it's... I don't know, it's it's the face change one, like, when you, when people, like, compare themselves with, like, one of them. Do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. I get a lot of Gilmore Girls ones, and they always play, like, the Gilmore Girls oh, song. Cool. It's like, when you get a DLT to coffee at age 12, and it's like... The girl from Gilmore Girls, I don't know their names. Um, let's start. This is about... This is called the Black Metal Murders. It's one murder, I don't know why I pluralized it. It's about... Are we excited for this? I have a... So it's about Varg Vikernes, and that's how I'm going to pronounce that word, Vikernes. Why don't you give him a nickname? Okay, I'll just call him Varg. Cool. That's his first name. Sick. But his name is actually Louis Kache, but he was born as Christian Vikernes. Are we all on the same page? I'm going to call him Varg. Okay. Wait, wait. So he has... How many names is So, he? okay, so... He's born as So Christian. he was born Christian... Yeah. And then he changed his name to Lou, Louis. Yeah. And, but he is called Varg. Okay. Who calls him that? I don't know. His friends? His colleagues? Okay. Cool. That's what, that's just what it said. Uh Uh-huh. Um, so bio. Much of the information about Varg comes from the 1998 book, Lord of Chaos, Feral House, which covers the early Norwegian black metal scene. Michael Monahan... One of the book's authors was sympathetic with Varg and his extremist politics, although Mahanaz later made statements denouncing the far right and white supremacism. Okay. White supremacism. I don't know. Background information. In the interviews printed in Lords of Chaos, Varg discusses his background and childhood. Lords of Chaos also includes an interview with his mother, Helen Bohr. The, new, the book and the newspaper depicted there refers to her with her given name, Lini, whereas Varg, Varg's own website, uses the name Helen. No. Helena. Okay. There we go. In 2004, in a 2004 interview, Varg said his mother was, quote, working in a large oil company, and his father is an electric electronics engineer and his older brother is a civil engineer. In the Lord of Chaos interviews, Varg recalls that when he was six years old, the family moved for about a year to Baghdad, Iraq because Varg's quote, father was working for Saddam Hussein. Unquote. Developing a computer program. Since there were no places available in the English school in Baghdad, the young Varg went to an Iraqi elementary school during this time. According to his interviews, Varg here became, quote, aware of racial matters. Corporal punishment was not uncommon in the schools, and no one, and on one occasion, Varg had a quarrel with the teacher and called him a monkey. But as Varg perceived it, the teacher, quote, didn't care to hit me because I was white. Hmm. Varg's mother also recalled that they, quote, spent a year in Iraq and that, quote, the other children in his class would get slapped by their teachers. He would not. She mentioned that this created problems, but generally she, quote, has no good explanation of how Varg developed his views. When asked about his father, Varg states that he had, quote, that he, quote, had a swastika flag at the home. 
However, Varg's feel, Varg feels that his father was a hypocrite because he was worried that Varg worried about Varg becoming a Nazi, whereas he was whereas he too was, quote, pissed about all the colored people he saw in town. So. Oh. Yeah, yeah, we yeah, are we excited for this? Cuz I'm not. Okay. I'm reading. Okay. About his mother, Varg states that she was, quote, very race conscious. In the sense that she was afraid that Varg, quote, was going to come home with a black girl. There's an exclamation point after that one. Um, at the time of the 1995 Lord of Chaos interviews, Varg still had a positive relationship with his mother, but very little contact with his father. He also states that his parents are divorced. Varg's father is said to have left about 10 years ago, which would have been 1985, when Varg was 11 or 12. The Encyclopedia of White Power... <laughs> and historian Nicholas Godric Clark have both alleged that Varg was part of the neo-Nazi skinhead culture as an adolescent. When asked in Lord of Chaos interviews whether he hung out with skinheads in Bergen, um, Varg said that, quote, there are no skinheads in Bergen. Uh-huh. A fan of classical music as a child. I could pronounce it when I wrote it. <laughs> Shukovsky. There we go. Oh. In particular, I, it's just there's a T in front of it. And it really yeah, threw yeah. me off. Um, Varg started listening to heavy metal at 12, citing Iron Maiden, Ma- Iron Maiden as his biggest inspiration. Mm. Later, he discovered other metal bands whose sound would be influential on his own bands, such as Creator, Celtic Frost, Bathory, Destruction, Megadeth, Slayer, Pestilence, and Decide the Vaughn. Decide and Vaughn. Do you know any of those? I know a few of them. Oh, wow, look at Tess. She's a metalhead. But not, like... I mean, Iron Maiden and Slater, Slayer, it's like... I don't know. I feel like most people know those. Okay, I know Iron Maiden. Although Venom are widely considered the primary influence on black metal, Varg has also denied to be... Sorry, be influenced by them, as well as defining the band as a joke. <laughs> he once wore a t-shirt of Venom's black metal... To promote the genre, but stated he later regretted doing that. (laughs) From the early age, Varg was also fascinated with the fictional realm of Middle Earth, created by J.R.R. Tolkien. His stage name, Grisnak, I'm going to get hate from the twins for that one, is taken from one of the orcs in the Two Towers, while the band name Burzum, meaning darkness, was taken from the black speech inscribed on the One Ring in the Lord of the Rings. Mm -hmm. The inscription read, I'm not going to read it because it is Norwegian and it's very long, so or in English it says, One Ring is... (laughs) One Ring to rule them all, One Ring to find them, One Ring to bring them all... In the darkness, bind them. Oh, We've yeah. all seen Lord of the Rings. We know what the fuck. We're I have never about. seen Lord of the Rings. All right, but I know enough to get the reference. <laughs> sure. Okay. Additionally, before joining the Bergen Death Band, <laughs> sorry, Old Funeral, he was in a band called Uric High, also refer also reference to Tolkien's text. Let's get into his musical career because okay. I know that's why we're all here. Varg started playing guitar at the age of 14. When he was 17, Varg came into contact with a member of Old Funeral. It's a band. He played guitar with them uh, during 1990 to 1991 and performed on their Devoured Carcass EP before he began his solo music project, Burzum. 
and quickly became involved with the early Norwegian black metal scene. During 1992-1993, he recorded four albums as Burzum. Varg also stated that for the record of these early albums, he used an old West Tone guitar, which he had bought in 1987 from an acquaintance. He used the cheapest bass guitar there was at the local shop and borrowed a drum kit from Old Funeral, the successor band Immortal, and, quote, another musician living nearby. On Hivis List Taras, he also borrowed Hellhammer's drum kit, the same one Hellhammer used to record De Mysterious Dom Savings by Mayhem. <laughs> he used a PV amplifier, but for the recording of Phil's... Philosphem, he used the amplifier on his brother's stereo and some old fuzz pedals. For vocals, he would use whatever microphone the sound tech handed him during the recording of Philosphem. He intentionally used the worst mic they had, a headset mic. Why? Because he's not like other girls. <laughs> on the track Dungeons of Darkness, he used the large gong at Grillenhallen. Oh, that's not fucking how you pronounce it. For background noise. You're anonymous assisted him in beating his fist on it. You're not... You're not... Euronymous is coming back. He's coming back for this. Okay. In 1992, Varg joined the black metal band Mayhem, a year after uh, band member Dead... His name is Dead. Committed suicide on April 8th, mm-hmm. 1991. His name was Dead. Arson at churches? What? All right. On June 6, 1992, the Fantofstov Church, dating from the 12th century and considered architecturally significant, was burned to the ground by arson. By January 1993, the arson attacks had occurred at least seven at at least seven other Slav churches. No, I'm sorry, Stav churches, including one on Christmas Eve of 1992. Varg was found guilty on several of these cases, the arson and the attempted arson of Assan Church and Storvet Church in Bergen. The, the arson of... Do you know how to pronounce J's in Norwegian? Is no. it a Y? I don't Is it no. a Y noise? I, like, could not <laughs> identify Norwegian if it was being spoken to me. I'm going to pronounce it as a Y. Okay. Skoiled Church in Vindafod and the arson of Holmikolen Chapel in Oslo. Hmm. Got Oslo. He was also charged with the arson of Fantofstav Church, although the jurors found him not guilty. The judges called an error but did not overthrow the whole case. At the time, media outlets reported that Varg was associated with theistic Satanism. In later interviews, Varg, while not accepting responsibility for the arsons, said that he, uh, that they were not satanic, but instead revenge for the Christian de- uh, desecration of Viking graves and temples. According to Varg, the arsons were an anniver- ow, anniversary of the L- Lindisfarne Viking raid. Varg claimed that all the burnings, except for the one at Stavanger, were done by one person. Bergen's TD article. I pronounced that last word wrong. It's not even important. No, one, no one's going to fact check me. On January 1993, an article in one of Norway's biggest newspapers, Bergen Tiden Day, brought the black metal scene into the media spotlight. Two friends of Varg's interviewed him and brought the interview to the newspaper, hoping that they would print it. In the anonymous interview, Count Grisnach, which would be Varg, 
claimed to have burnt the churches and killed a man in Lillhammer. BT journalist Finn Bjorn Tonder set up a meeting with Count Gershnek with help from the friends. The journalists were summoned to an apartment and reportedly warned that they would be shot if the police were called. There, Varg and his companions told the journalists that they had burnt the churches or they knew who, did, who had done it and said that the attacks would continue. They claimed to be devil worshippers and said, quote, our intention is to spread fear and devilry. That is why we are telling this to Bergen's Tidende. They gave the journalist details about the arsons that hadn't been released to the press, so BT spoke with the police before publishing it, who confirmed these details. The article was published on January 20th as the front page of the BT. That's the newspaper, in case you were Mm -hmm. confused. It was headlined, We Lit the Fires, and included photos of Varg and his, but his face was mostly hidden, and he was holding two large knives. (laughs) Okay. However, by the time the article was printed, Varg had already been arrested. The police found him by going to an address printed on the Burzum flyer. According to Varg, the anonymous interview was planned by himself in Euronymous. Euronymous. The goal, he said, was to scare people, promote black metal, and get more customers for Helvet. Okay. Helvet. At the time, Burzum, his band, was about to release the Ask mini album. That's Ask with an E at the end. Mm. Some of the other scene members were also arrested and questioned, but all were released for lack of evidence. Jorn Ing Tunsberg of Hades said that the interview had grave consequences for the rest of the scene and that they did not know how he was going to talk to the press as he had said nothing. He added that they became bloody angry and he... Tunsberg was pissed off. Norwegian magazine Rock published an interview with Varg on February 1993. In it, he said of the prison system, quote, it's much too nice here. It's not hell at all. In this country, prisoners get a bed, toilet, and a shower. It is completely ridiculous. I asked the police to throw them in a real dungeon and also encountered them, encouraged them to use violence. He was released in March for lack of evidence. Mm. The murders! The murder of Oystein Arsith. In early 1993, animosity arose between Euronymous and Varg. After the Bergen's TN Day episode, Euronymous decided to shut Helvete as it began to draw attention to the police and media. Of the police and media. On the night of August 10th, 1993, Varg stabbed Euronymous to death in his apartment in Oslo. Mm. The murder was initially blamed on Swedish black meddlers by the media. It has been speculated that the murder was a result of a power struggle, a financial dis- di- di- dispute over Burzum Records. Euronymous owed Varg a large sum of royalty payments, or an attempt at outdoing a recent stabbing in Lilhammer committed by Emperor Drummer... Emperor's band drummer Faust. Varg claimed that he killed Euronymous in self-defense and said that Euronymous had plotted to stun him with an electroshock weapon, tie him up, and torture him to death while videotaping the event. Vargs explained, quote, if he was talking about it to, ev- to everyone and anyone, anybody, I would have taken... Oh my god, I can't read. If he was talking about it to everybody and anybody, I would have taken it seriously. But he just told a select group of friends and one of them told me... 
He said, your anonymous plan to use a meeting about an unsigned contract to ambush him. On the night of the murders, Varg and Snore, Blackthorn, Rutch, drove from Bergen to your anonymous apartment in Soyengata in Oslo. Blackthorn allegedly stood in the stairwell smoking while Varg went to a Euronymous apartment on the fourth floor. Varg said he met Euronymous at the door to hand him the signed contract. But when he stepped forward and confronted Euronymous, Euronymous panicked and kicked him in the chest. Varg claims that Euronymous ran into the kitchen to fetch a knife. The two got into a struggle and Varg stabbed Euronymous to death. His body was found in the stairwell on the first floor with 23 stab wounds. Two in the head, five to the neck, and 16 to the back. Oh. Varg claimed his final stab to the skull was so powerful the knife remained stuck in your anonymous skull, but no physical evidence or bodily injuries supported this claim. <laughs> Varg contends that most of your anonymous wounds were caused by broken glass he had fallen on during the struggle. After the murder, Varg and Blackthorn drove back to Bergen. On the way, they stopped at a lake where Varg disposed of his bloodstained clothes. The claim of self-defense is dated by Emperor Drummer Faust, but Mayhem bassist Necro Butcher, God, fucking black music, black metal. Okay, um, where was I? Necro Butcher believed that Varg killed your anonymous due to the aforementioned death threats he received from him. Blackthorn claimed Varg planned to murder your anonymous and pressured him into coming along. The claim that in the summer of 1993, he was almost committed to a mental hospital but fled to Bergen and stayed with Varg. Blackthorn said to the murder, quote, I was neither for nor against it. I didn't give a shit about Austin. That's not how you pronounce that name. It's an O with the line through it and a Y S T I N. Oyston? Something. Most call him Austin. It's Austin. Oh my god. Varg? Was it rather. I skipped a line. Varg, however, claimed that he had not planned the killing and that Blackthorn came along to show your anonymous some new guitar riffs. Varg called Blackthorn's claims a, quote, defense to make sure I couldn't blame him for the murder. Varg was arrested on August 19th, 1993 in Bergen. Police found 150 kilograms. Now I took the liberty to go and convert that to pounds because us Americans don't know shit. Mm-hmm. That's 330.69 pounds um, of explosives. Wow. <laughs> and 3,000 rounds of ammunition in his home. Damn. Yeah. According to Encyclopedia of White Power, Varg, quote, intended to blow up Blitz House. <laughs> Every time I say Blitz House, because it's in here twice, I think of, like, the Hype House. <laughs> or, like, you know, like... Where the fucking, what, What's live? the Jake Paul house? Team 10, yeah. Team 10, yeah. Like, I think of one of those houses, because it's Blitz House. Um, But it's a radical leftist anarchist enclave in Oslo. What? Sick, bro. Sick, bro. The plan was... <laughs> Well, the plan which was reportedly on the verge of execution oh. to go boom, boom. In an article originally published in 1999, the year I was born, the year of the road, Kevin Coogan, Coogan um, also mentioned Varg's alleged intent to destroy an Oslo-based punk anti-fascist squat called Blitz House and stated, Varg may have felt that he had no choice but to kill your anonymous because bombing Blitzhouse 
before bombing Blood's house because the communists would almost certainly have opposed such an act. Yep. Mm-hmm. Sounds about right. This is a lot. There's a lot to handle. Varg denied these claims in the 2009 interview, stating, quote, I was getting the explosives and ammunition in order to defend Norway. If we were attacked any time during the Cold War, the United States and the Soviet Union could have decided to attack us. We have no reason to trust neither the government, the royal family, or the military because of what happened last time we were attacked. We are left to ourselves. That's how I imagine him speaking. Like an angry girl. (laughs) Anyway, so let's get about to trial. Varg's trial began on May 2nd, 1994. He was represented by the lawyer Stein Eric Matson. Many other members of the scene, including Blackthorne and Foss, were put on trial around the same time. Some of them confessed to their crimes and implicated others according to Lords of... Sorry, I don't know why I didn't pause at the period. According to Lords of Chaos, quote... Varg is disgusted by the fact that while he held fast to a code of silence, others confessed. During the trial, the media made Varg, quote, the nation's first real boogeyman in 50 years. Nori really be having a good time, though, because he only killed one guy. At the trial, it was claimed that he, Blackthorn, and uh, another friend had planned the murders. The court alleged that this third person stayed at the apartment in Bergen as an alibi to make it look like they had never left Bergen. He was to rent films, play them in the apartment, and withdraw money from Varg's credit card. On May 16, 1994, Varg was sentenced to 21 years in prison. That is Norway's maximum penalty. (laughs) Only 21, yeah. Damn. For the murder of your anonymous... The arson of three churches and the attempted arson of the fourth church. And for the theft and storage of 150 kilograms, that's 330 pounds, of explosives. That's a lot of explosives. Yeah. Okay. Though Varg only confessed to the theft and the storage of the explosives, two churches were set on fire the day he was sentenced. Quote, presumably as a statement of symbolic support. Blackthorn, who had, hadn't taken part in the murder as he had gone down um, the condominium stairs to smoke, was sentenced to eight years in prison for being an accomplice. May 1994 also saw the release of Mayhem's album De Mysteries Dom Sathanas, dear God, which is your anonymous on the electric guitar and Varg on the bass guitar. Before the release, your anonymous's family had asked Mayhem's drummer, Hellhammer. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> His name's Hellhammer. To remove the bass track recorded by Varg, Hellhammer said, quote, And I thought it was appropriate that the murderer and the victim were on the same record. I put word out that I was re-recording the bass part, but I never did. Oh, shit. Hellhammer really be a jackass over here. He's like, ooh, what if... That's kind of metal, though. I mean, yeah, I guess. Just a little bit. That's the family. It's like, my child's dead. Yeah. Bitch, can you get him off? (laughs) Well, yeah, besides that point, though. But from, like, a jackass's perspective, it's like, bro, that's fucking sick. (laughs) Prison. That's my subheader. (laughs) Varg served his (laughs) sentence. Varg served his sentence at the prison in Bergen, Tonsberg, Ringerich, Trotterheim, and Tromso. Cool. None of those were pronounced correctly. <laughs> On April 8th, 1997, Norwegian police arrested five neo-Nazis in Hemnes. According to police, the young men were a part of a self-styled, me too, um, self-styled, quote, 
Enstadzegruppe. <laughs> that was Norwegian. I don't know why I tried that one out. And were plotting attacks on political and religious figures in Norway. They also had plans to break Varg out of prison. The group, quote, had all the trappings of paramilitary unit, of a paramilitary unit, including guns, explosives, bulletproof vests, steel helmets, and baklavas. Baliklavas. I don't know which one's which. Isn't one a food? Baklava's a food. Then it's baliklava. Yeah. <laughs> one of its members, Tom Eternes, had befriended Varg in prison before escaping while on leave. Varg's mother, Lene, was arrested for supporting the group with a hundred thousand kroner. Now, what do you? I looked up what that is. That's the Norwegian money, mm-hmm. and it's equivalent to ten thousand three hundred eighty-two dollars and ninety cents. She confessed, but claimed she did not know that they were right-wing extremists. <laughs> and said that her son was being attacked by fellow inmates. In the late 1996, his jaw had reportedly been broken in a fight with another inmate. However, the prison director said that her claims were unfounded and that the police suspected that the money came from Varg himself. Lord of Chaos says that Varg adopted a skinhead look and wore a belt buckle with SS insignias around this time. That's the Nazi thing. Um, despite her confession, Bohr, that's her last name, um, was not convicted, and in 1998, the case against the Anastas Gruppe were dropped. During this time in prison, Varg um, recorded two albums made up wholly of ambient and neo-folk music. Imagine just being in prison and recording your albums, you know? Um, the first... Deubald's, whatever, was recorded in 1984 1995, released in October of 1997. The second, um, <laughs> Don't know why. There's, like, so many letters in there I don't know how to pronounce. Was recorded in 1998 and released in 1999, April. Um, Varg was denied access to an electric guitar, bass guitar, or drums, but instead used a synthesizer. In 2000, Varg decided to put Burzum on hold. He believed that his philosophy was consistently misinterpreted by ignorant fan base, um, and that that was too closely related to black metal and Satanism. Later, though, his website, on his website, through his website, sorry, he indicated that he hoped to continue Burzum after release from prison, stating, quote, I will publish a few books, possibly using a pseudonym, in order to stay anonymous, and perhaps a Burzum album or two, but that's it. Um, in August of 2003, Varg was transferred from a maximum security prison in Bergen to a low security prison in Tonsberg. On October 15th, the local paper, Tongsberg Blad, published an article that criticized Varg. On October 26th, Varg went on the run after being granted a short leave. Who just gets a short leave? Oh, you know, you murdered someone? Yeah, well, you could leave what is that? For a second, though. <laughs> Whatever, Norway. I mean, America's prison system sucks, but you seem like you're letting your murderers out of jail. <laughs> um... He stopped his car in Numdal. Inside, it was a family of three who said that he hijacked the car at gunpoint. Oh, yeah. No, I said that. He stopped He stopped a car. About 19 hours later, police stopped the car in Romerick and arrested him. The car contained knives, a gas mask, camouflage clothing, a portable GPS navigator, maps, a compass, a laptop, and a mobile phone. Damn. Police also found a handgun and an AG-3 automatic rifle in a cabin in Roleg, where Varg was, had hidden during his escape. They conducted... That sorry, they concluded that his escape was well planned and involved assistance from several people on the outside. 
Before the escape, Var gave his mother a letter. In it, he wrote that he had received death threats and other inmates had tried to strangle him. Shortly after the newspaper article was published, for his actions, um, 13 months were added to Verkin's sentence, and he was moved to a prison in Ringerich. On July in July 2014, he was moved to a maximum security prison in Trondheim. Uh, the last three years of his sentence was spent in Tromso prison. When Varg was convicted, it was possible to be released on parole after serving 12 years of a 21 sentence. But in 2002, before it, um, he became eligible, the Norwegian Parliament had extended it to 14 years. Hmm. In June 2006, after serving 12 years, Varg was denied parole by the Department of Criminal Justice for that reason. His lawyer, John Christian Eldon, was compl- um, had complained that the policy changed is a form of retroactive legislation. Article 97 of the Norwegian Constitution forbids any law being given <clears throat> retroactive force. Varg was denied parole again in June 2008, although he was allowed to leave Tromso prison for a short period of time to visit his family whatever (laughs) um his full sentence would run for another seven years in march of 2019 however his parole was announced he had served nearly 16 years for his 21 year sentence Mm -hmm. on may 22nd 2009 he he continued he confirmed that he had been released from prison on probation damn what did he do after prison i'm sure you're wondering why does this never stop well bar continued with burzum his album he's still going strong after his release he released a further three black metal albums bellius fallen and um skiptar um that's 2010 11 and 12 uh, respectively and um a compilation of re-recording songs from the depths of darkness on april 27th 2013 varg posted a song on his official youtube channel titled Back to the Shadows, where Varg has stated to be the last metal track to be released by Burzum. Um, in May of 2013, he released another ambient album, Sol Austin Many Veston. <laughs> On July 16th, 2013, Varg and his wife, a French national, were arrested in Carrozé, France, <laughs> on suspicion of planning acts of terrorism after his wife bought four rifles. Officials later stated that Varg's wife had a legal firearm permit to buy the rifles. The two were later released without charge after police failed to identify any terrorist plans or targets. Varg was instead charged by French authorities with inciting racial hatred against Jews and Muslims. On July 8, 2014, Varg was convicted of inc- he was convicted of inciting racial hatred um, and sentenced to six months of probation and a fine of. 8,000 euros. I didn't convert that to dollars because I didn't want to. In uh, 2013, Varg and his wife uh, released a film called Four Bears. Not like the number four, but F-O-R-E bears. Mm -hmm. um, Based on bear worship during the time of the Neanderthals, which is, according to him, connected with autism. Okay. I don't. I don't know. I don't know what that's about. In June 2018, Varg made comments that he had moved on from Burzum on his YouTube channel, saying "bye bye." That was in quotes to the project. <laughs> in July of 2012, Varg created a YouTube channel under the name Thulian Perspective. Um, the channel mainly dealt with his metaphorical interpretation of European pagan mythology. Meta. 
metempsychosis and his political views in June 2019. Oh, shit. Vark's YouTube channel was removed from the platform. This coincided with the announcement from YouTube, if you're keeping up with the YouTube drama, that it would be more aggressive in removing extremist content and hate speech speech within um, which violated its terms of service. Varg said that he did not know exactly why his channel was removed, and within hours he had created a new channel and said he would continue the post content, and the channel was also removed. (laughs) In the late 2019... Literally a couple months ago, Varg announced on his Twitter that he intended to release another album as Burzum, titled Thulian Mysteries. The album is stated for release in March of 2020. So if anyone... Wow. Next month, guys. <laughs> oh my god. I'm not done. He also wrote... <laughs> Books? Late... <laughs> Things. Okay. In the late 1994, while in prison, Varg wrote a Norwegian language book called... Varg's Mall, which translates to Varg's speech. Mm-hmm. Um, Varg said that he wrote Varg's Mall to defend himself against the media. According to Lords of Chaos, Varg's Mall became available on the internet for some time in 1996, but um, not, a, not in printed form. In 1997, a Norwegian publisher released a paperback edition of the book. Its publication was financed by Varg's mother, Helen. Um, as of 1999, Varg's Mall is being sold by the neo-Nazi organization Heathen's Front via its website. So if anyone wants to go buy it. Uh, <laughs> he wrote, in 1998, he wrote a book called German, Germansk Mistagi Og Ventensakusil. <laughs> what the fuck am I trying to say? <laughs> it translates to Teutonic Mythology and Worldview. Oh. Um, in 2011, Abstract Sound Books published uh, Varg's English book entitled Sorcery and Religion in Ancient Scandinavia about the religious practices of Scandinavian people, particularly during the Stone Age and Bronze Age. Mm. According to a review from the music blog Heathen's Harvest, the book rejects accepted academic theories, but instead focuses on Varg's speculations <laughs> and personalized storytelling. <laughs> so... If you're interested in that one, that's English. In late 2003, Varg had begun writing articles for Burzum.org, which became the official Burzum website. He also writes for his personal blog, Thulian Perspectives, which was set up in January of 2013. The website, Ancestral Cult, was created by him and his wife. Um, Varg has self-published a tabletop role-playing game called My Farag. M-Y-F-A-R-O-G, all in caps. Mm -hmm. In 2019, he announced plans to release an ambient album of Burzum music called Thulian Mysteries, intended as background music for the game. Cool. So, I think we should play that role-playing game. Now, you know what you're wondering. What exactly are Varg's worldviews and thoughts and feelings? (laughs) Well, don't worry. In metal... A Headbanger's Journey, it's a book, (laughs) or a movie, I don't know, director Sam Dunn described Varg as, quote, the most notorious metal musician of all time, due to his crimes as well as his political and religious views. While in prison, Varg promoted views which combined Audinism and esoteric Nazism. Mm. Mm -hmm. Religious studies scholar Eagle Esprim 
characterized Varg as, quote, an idol for skinheads and an inclination towards paganism and for contemporary pagans with an inclination towards national socialism. Weird. No, we don't have time to unpack all that. I was like, that's a very interesting combination. Yeah. According to Xavier, uh, Xavier Katernik, Varg was the self-proclaimed leader of the Norse Hedness Front, or the Norwegian Heathen Front, or NHF. And Godric Clark mentioned that Varg underlined, quote, his role as chieftain of his Norwegian Heathen Front with the writing of Varg's Mall. The Norwegian Heathen... The NHF was a neo-Nazi group which grew into an international algermanched hedonesque front or the pan-Germanic heathen front or AHF. The heathen front officially denied that Varg was in charge. According to authors of Lords of Chaos, this may have been to protect him as Norwegian prisoners were prohibited from leading political groups. Mm -hmm. In addition, the organization listed address was the same P.O. box uh, Varg used in prison, which the author states would have made it very hard for him to do an effective job of leading the organization as all letters would have been screened by the prison personnel. On July 2005... Statement on his website, Varg wrote that although he occasionally used the term Nazism to describe his ideological foundation, he will no longer describe himself as such. He had labeled himself as a follower of Nazism from the period following his 1994 conviction to the late 1990s. He has expressed a desire to not be associated with with any anti-Slavic sentiment. Um, Varg also uh, advocates social conservatism, simply living and self-sufficient, including survivalism. He has described his views as odalism. In 2009, interview with the Norwegian newspaper Dagbladet claimed he was um, associated with neo-Nazi groups during his time in prison. He replied, quote, I have never... formed or been a member of uh, such organization. The only organization I'm a member of is oh my god, sorry, give me a second. <laughs> Rick Smala Ford and the, 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 or oh. the Society of the Preservation of Traditional Standard Norwe- Norwegian. According to Swedish scholar Matthias Gardell, in his book Gods of the Blood, Varg launched the Neo Volkisk Heathen Front during his time in prison. Varg was one of the recipients of mass murderer Anders Breivik's manifesto, which Breivik had sent out before killing 77 people in 2011. Oh my god. Varg condemned, the now debunked, Breivik's Christianity and encouraged Breivik to kill himself. Hmm. I mean, he did kill 77 people. Varg wrote a blog post, Sympath... Sympathetic to some of Brevik's views, but said that he suspected Brevik carried out the attacks as part of a Jewish conspiracy. I don't know anything about Brevik. <laughs> Varg's blog also included multiple anti-Semitic rants, which were later taken down following the charges of inciting racial hatred, which is a criminal offense in France, and Varg claimed that he had not written the post, although the blog attributed all posts to him. Personal life. This is the last part, I promise. <laughs> Varg has a son who was born in 2007 to his wife, Marie Cachet. They were married the same year. In, 2008, in a 2008 interview, he said that he and his wife were expecting a second child. 
it would be Varg's third. Hmm. After his release, he and his family settled in a small farm in Beau, Telemark. They later moved to Limousine in France. As of 2017, he said that he has six children and planned to have more. Damn. Varg is a teetotaler and has never consumed alcohol or other recreational drugs. He also avoids the unnecessary use of pharmaceutical drugs. The end, but I'm not done. So, <laughs> I was looking up, um, what was I looking I was looking up something. Oh, I was looking up how to pronounce his name. Mm-hmm. And when you type in his name, this is net worth. So, I was like, what is his net worth? Um, and then it turns out, because he is a guitarist in a band, he has one of those, like, celebrity bios, and it's like, height, weight, age. Oh, yeah. So, I clicked on that. It does not give his height, weight. Oh. But, he is worth $43 million. Holy shit. At the age of 46. Damn. And he's also an Aquarius. That's, that's all I can when's his, when's his birthday? Oh, I'm... <laughs> I don't know, Tess. I'm just second. curious, because I know some Aquarius, so I want to see if they have the um, same birthday. Uh, February 11th, 1973. Bro, that's today. Today's... Oh, hey, <laughs> look at me, I'm amazing! Bro, today's his I fucking birthday. I planned the fuck out. Happy birthday, Varg. <laughs> He's still alive, so we, uh, good luck with your life. Um, don't kill me. (laughs) Bro, that's fucking whacked. Damn. Yeah. So I guess he's 47 now. Cool. That's it. That's the end of my statements. Okay. Well, that was a lot of things. Yeah, I know. I'm so sorry. So, I, okay. The one thing that kept remind me of something else was um the whole like black magic black metal like music scene mm-hmm. so this is like a throwback to a very specific point in a podcast what the test <laughs> you'll understand it once i get into it but because this is a podcast that you introduced oh is it it's the Tannis, or is it the black tapes? black tapes yeah. so yeah. This podcast called The Black Tapes. Highly it, recommend. It's pretty good. There's not, like, new episodes anymore, though. No. But it's pretty good. So it's this, like, girl, and she um, is, like, interviewing people, and she is interviewing this one doctor, and he is, like, the biggest, like... Because she's into conspiracy theories and, like, ghosts and stuff, and then he's, like... Well, every- she's a, a reporter. Yeah. For... <laughs> Pro- Pacific, Pacific Northwest stories. stories. Yeah. Sorry, I have the sticker on my laptop. Yeah, so there's, like, some lore to it. Big fan. <laughs> but besides the lore, what's the doctor's name again? Dr. Stra- Strand. Dr. Strand. I knew it started with an S, and I He owns not... the Strand Institute. Yeah. Which, not to be confused with the real-life uh, Strand Library that's <laughs> in New York that <laughs> my roommate always talks about. <laughs> cool. Yeah, but so, basically... Oh, it's a bookstore, not a library, sir. Oh. So, like, she's... It's Alex and then Doctor. Doctor Strand. Doctor Strand. He has a first name. I can't remember it. Uh, Yeah, I don't remember it either. But, like, basically it's, like, this podcast and it's kind of, like, they're going around interviewing people about paranormal stuff. And, like, it's... the The black tapes are, like, his tapes where he can't explain them. Okay, so he owns the Strand Institute, which is an institute to debunk the paranormal. Yeah. So he's going to give away a million dollars if someone has proof of paranormal. So the black tapes 
are like they're the uh, like VCR tape boxes, but they they don't always have VCRs in them. Mm-hmm. But they're black, and they're what he hasn't debunked yet. But then we yeah. find out they're all connected. Yeah, it's some like it goes show. on for a while, it's like three seasons. Yeah, but anyways, what I'm specifically referring to about this was that there was an episode where the and un- it goes the unsound. Yeah, it's like this whole it's like this demon sound. That, like, if you listen to it, you'll die or some shit. And then, like, some guy was making music. His name is Richard. Richard Strand. Oh, I thought, I was like, Richard was making the music? But no, yeah, Richard. Richard. I'm just gonna call him Doctor. Okay. So Doctor and Alex um, are, like, investigating this little sound. And it's, like, all this, like... The reason why it reminded me of that was because it was, like, the guy who was, like, talking about the music got it, was into, like, metal and shit. Yeah, yeah. And then, like... He ends s- up dying. Well, his friends end up dying. Yeah, and, like, they were all in this, like, metal band. And I'm like, oh, okay. And then, like, there's, like, the one guy was, like, really crazy in the band and was, like, all upset. Yeah, yeah, the they, sound. they all, like... As far as I remember, because I've, I've listened to this podcast, like, three times, yeah. it's, like... So they were all, like, there was, like, a metal band, but, like, none of them were actually into, like, the satanic shit, except for this one guy. Yeah. Were, like, funsies. Um, they, like, they just did it, like, you know, like, have a theme to their band. Yeah. But then the one guy really got into the unsound, which is just, like, can you describe it? It sounds like a, it's, like, kind of like a whale noise, sort of. Yeah, it just sounds like, if you went onto YouTube and, like, searched up, like, like ambient noise. Like, ambient creepy noise, like, it would be the first thing that came yeah, up. Yeah. It sounds like everything else. But, yeah, so, like, the ones... of dying. Yeah. Because the thing is, if you hear it, you die in a year. Yeah. That's the... <laughs> that's the lore. That's the lore on that. Um, but... Yeah, so, like, the one guy in the band went crazy and then, like, was all obsessed with it. Then there was, like, all this stuff about, like, where it originated and, like, how can you cure it and all this. And so that's why I was, like, I kept thinking of that, like, during this whole thing because I was just, like, you know. The really creepy part is, like, before the guy died, they, like, go back. He's dead. But they go to his house and he has, like, his music recorded and they're, like, going through it and they, like, take off all the layers of the music and they find that he put the unsound oh, yeah. his track so that everyone who listens to his music is going to hear it. Yeah. But then, like, if you listen to all the seasons, it, it it gets a little... It gets a lot. But there's, like, this piano player who, like, has a piano moved into a hotel and people heard the unsound coming from the elevator. Yeah. And he could play. It was fucking weird. Mm-hmm. It gets deep. I recommend the podcast if you're into that shit. Yeah, it's very good. It's like, yeah, it's like a show. Yeah. Well, because I remember over the summer I was listening to it, but then, like, at a certain point I couldn't like, listen to stuff at work anymore because we started getting busier with, like... And also you kind of need two headphones. Yeah, that's the other thing. Like, you need... Like, I can't listen to a podcast while doing other stuff. They do a lot of, like... Like, the left ear, right ear thing. I don't know what it's called. Yeah. Like, they do... It's all stereo. Yeah, thank you. First season's really good, though. Yeah. So, Tanata would recommend. But, yeah, no. I was, like, trying to think of, like, if there was anything... Because this guy is just... Because of... Like, sometimes when there's so much information about someone, it's, like, very hard to pinpoint down, like, a specific thing. But this guy is just so weird like imagine that's your thing yeah. like that's your life right there that's my life and you're on twitter do you want to know what he looks like sure let me pull up an image of him let's see interesting not how you would have thought huh 
it's not not what I was thinking. Like, I know the outfit is like that. I was thinking he wouldn't look as liberal. Yeah. He's got, yeah. like, a beard. He wears a little beanie sometimes. Like, he looks like he voted for Gary Johnson. Yeah, I mean, look at him. He's just your average hipster. Ugh, I don't like it. Okay, well. I also just don't. I don't know. Something about Sweden. He looks kind of like a... Or like... Like a little hunter. Yeah. I don't know. Um, I'm trying to think. Oh, I watched a movie the other day that was a horror movie, and it was pretty good. A horror movie. It was called, I think it was called The Ritual. Yeah. When they go into the woods. Yeah. Yeah. And they're, like, camping, and there's that little thing. It's a big thing. It's not a little thing. With the liquor store? Yeah. Yeah. Um... Anyways, for those of you who couldn't just make that connection, it's just a. So sorry. It was a movie on uh, Netflix. It's like a horror movie, and it's like this group of friends goes out into the woods, and has like a little camping trip because like their other friend died. They're like adult. In like men. a yeah, it's adult men. And um, but like because the one friend like got stabbed in like a mix up like robbery thing. And, like, the other friend's guilty about it, and then, like, there's this thing hunting him because, like, the little bitch boyfriend rolls his ankle, and they're like, oh, let's take the shortcut, and then it's like, never do that, ever. So, but it's actually very good. Um, yeah, that's it. I started reading a new book. Which book? Which book? Um, I'm so glad you asked. So, you know that show I was talking about last week, Jeremy? Yeah. That you're leading? Well, guess what? It's based on a book. Uh... So I'm reading it, and how I found it was, I had this accidental, um, sorry, I have a lot of phlegm in my throat right now. Sorry. Um, to, I accidentally read a lot of young adult novels, which is kind of upsetting, because young adult novels are, like, they're PG in certain ways, but they're also, like, Yeah, they're, weird. like, they're a true PG-13. Yeah, like, it's, like, kind of... Weird. I just, I don't want to read a young adult novel. I like them, don't get me wrong. If I ever need a little spice of PG romance in my life, I will read a young adult novel. But I filtered it to generic adults, because that's who I am. I'm a generic adult. And I found it, and I was like, shit, that's the show I want to watch, but I'm only two episodes into. And so I've been listening to it for the past two days. And um, I was, um, it's like, good. Uh, it's a lot, it's a lot less, um, creepy lesbian. It's, like, almost uh, not lesbian at all, actually. I don't think it is. <laughs> it's um, like there's none there. I mean, it's a nine-hour-long audiobook, and I'm only, like, an hour or something into oh. it. So, like, I haven't gone there. She, like, clearly envies the coach, and she's, like, really enthralled with her and, like, the way she talks and the way she holds herself and the fact that she's, like, a tattoo on her ankle or whatever. Yeah. But not in a way that is creepy. She's almost like it's an adult she looks up to, you know what I mean? Uh-huh. Yeah. Which I feel like they should have taken that route for the show. <laughs> I haven't gotten there yet. She's also white in the book. Um, hmm. And she's she's black in the show. Not that it matters. I, I don't care. <laughs> I was just... Because she's like... I was like sitting there and I was like, I wonder if they're going to describe... Because you know sometimes they don't describe the main characters. Yeah. But then she's like, our spray-tanned legs. And I was like, well, you're not. Well... <laughs> You gotta be white for that. But, um, also, oh, yeah. it's, like, kind of different. They're not, like, good cheerleaders. They're, like, bad cheerleaders. Also, she definitely has an eating disorder, and it's a little weird. Like, it's not into it. She's just, like, they just do. 
But they also have that in the show. It's really weird how they do it in the show, because it's not like they... Well, this one girl is just throwing up in the toilet, and then she gets kicked in the stomach so that she can throw up some more. But that's not important. But, like, there's a scene when they're just talking, and they're, like, eating cookies outside in 7-Eleven, but they bite it, and then they just spit it out. And they do this for the whole conversation. But it's almost unnoticeable if you weren't, like, looking, you know? They're just, like, doing it casually. And I was like, wow. You know, I thought that was really quite interesting. Um, What am I trying to say? The book is kind of hard to understand in a way that she... The writing style is very descriptive about feelings and not what the fuck is happening <laughs> so she's like so they're like performing a stunt at a pep rally or no at a football game and it's their first time throwing this girl in the air and kept, they're doing baskets okay they're really sucky cheerleaders because they've never done a basket before mm-hmm. and so their arms are all locked and she's just like i felt the like the electricity breathe through uh. me <laughs> and there was, like, a shiver, and then I felt, like, Phoebe next to me. She was also scared, and I was like, but, like, what's happening? <laughs> like, it didn't really be like, oh, and then we threw her up, and then we got her, and everything was fine, and she, like, didn't break her kneecaps, you know? That's what I kind of wanted, because uh, there's a lot of feelings happening. Mm-hmm. And it's weird, and I'm it's a, I'm reading, I'm going to read the book. You're going <laughs> to Because I it. lost my other book because my... I waited. Tw- I didn't finish it in 21 days, uh-huh. and I re-requested to to, t- to take it out. But I'm I'm number two out of three on the list, so I have to, I have to wait for my book to come back. Mm-hmm. So right now I'm listening to Dare Me, but I know there's got to be murder, right? Because the book started <laughs> with her being like, "Oh my God, Beth, you gotta help me." Mm. Right? So, like... There's gotta be it's something. It's gonna happen. Yeah. Also, just the way she, like... I don't know. Like, the coach is just like, who's that guy over there? And she's like, oh, Jordy? I'd never thought about him that way. And she's like, oh, maybe you could fuck him. And she's like, maybe I could fuck him. And then, like, it, like the legit next sentence, she's, like, they're hang- she's hanging out with Jordy. And I guess they're making out. And I was like, when did this happen? <laughs> what was the lead-up to this? <laughs> And then she was, like, kissing his temple, and she's like, I don't feel nothing. And I was like, what's happening? Because I guess she made out with, I don't know. I I feel like I'm missing things. (laughs) I feel like my brain stops working, and I miss a lot. But I'm not, because my ears are open. You know, like, I was doing it at the gym. It's not like I was focusing on anything else. Yeah. But, um, that's, I'm reading. Nice. Yeah. I found out why my skin is so dry. I'm just going to update you all on my health habits. My skin's been really dry. <laughs> and my, my leg skin around my shin area is cracking and bleeding. And then um, my lower hip today, I, it's cracked too. Which is not an area that gets dry normally. Mm-hmm. Oh, wait. I know you're, I know the twist. The, twi- the twist. I found out why my skin's so dry. It's because yeah. I'm taking too many baths. Yep. And bath water dries out your skin. 
But I'm going to take a bath tonight because I'm really fucking tired and I worked nine hours today. And I know nine hours isn't a lot, but I also have class, so... Nine... I mean, listen... Nine like, I don't work a full-time job. I work a part-time job. So nine hours in one day is yeah. a lot. And it's also food service, so I'm on my feet. Yeah. And I had a class. Yeah. Take a bath. I'm going to take a bath. Put some oatmeal in it. I will. I have oatmeal. Well, I have, like, flavored oatmeal. Oh, you'll just have, like, plain... No, I just... I don't know. I'll just Damn. moisturize after it, I guess. Yeah. Also, my hands are cracking, and update on my life, I got scratched by the cat three weeks ago, two weeks ago. I don't know. And it's, uh, it's uh, scarred. Aw. <laughs> so now I have a cat scratch scar on my ring finger. Poetic. Truly. <laughs> <laughs> so my body's falling apart, my hands are very dry. And, but, I have a package! Oh, shit. And you get it. Okay. Um... <laughs> But I have new glasses coming in. I've been wearing my glasses today, and I wore my glasses two days ago. So I'm really updating my life with my vision. Nice. Being able to see. Yeah. Um, I don't have any updates because I'm boring as a person, which just means I haven't done anything exciting. Or you don't have cracked, bleeding skin like I do. <laughs> No, not really. No, I'm just moisturized. <laughs> no. I'm just Listen, if you want to talk about... Hydrated. Listen, I don't have great skin. I just have acne. Me too. So, that's all I can say about oh, that. I'm, I'm telling... Wow. I'm telling everyone because that way I can manifest it into happening and I can't chicken out like a little bitch I am. But over spring break in three weeks, I'm going to get my hair cut oh. into a bob. I'll force you to do it. I'll cut it myself. <laughs> Do not. <laughs> um, Get an undercut with me. No, I don't want an undercut. I don't have enough hair for that. I need to cut my undercut. It's too long. I was... So, earlier today, my uh, friend Ari was over and practicing for a drag show. And then, like, me and my roommate were sitting there. We both have undercuts. And she did my undercut originally. It's a very DIY thing. But, um, I was just, like, I, like, lean over, I'm like, hey, like, how's your undercut? Like, do you have to cut it soon? She's like, oh, yeah, probably. And then I was just, like, of, like, the pyramid of, like, the gayest things you can do with someone. Bottom tier, eating pussy. Next tier, marriage. Top tier gay shit to do with someone. Cutting each other's undercuts. Um... It's a joke. Uh, yeah, no, no shit. It's a joke. It's yeah. a joke as to just how gay that is. I think it's so funny. Yeah. But listen, 10 out of 10 recommend if you have a lot of hair. It's great. It's I don't have a lot of hair. I know. I was looking at the microphone because I don't know who's out there. <laughs> at the microphone. We have like a wing on our microphone. Would that be funny? Yeah. I recommend cutting bangs. Just do it. Just fucking do it. Not unless you're me, don't cut bangs. If you have like a, I don't know what I was about to say with that one. If you have a, like, I was gonna say if you have a big forehead, cut bangs, but that's not true. But if you have a small forehead, also don't cut bangs. But it also really just depends, you know. I don't look good with bangs on period. Like that's I look true. Good. I don't think you would. Yeah. But if you don't have eyebrows, fucking cut some bangs, you know. There you go. Yeah. You will no. get forehead acne. I have really bad forehead acne right now. But then you have the bangs to cover it up. Exactly, and it just makes it work because my hair's greasy. <laughs> anyway, thank you all for listening. Yeah. Uh, don't kill anyone. Have a, have a nice week. Happy Valentine's Day. Oh, God. Yeah. Bye. <laughs>